You're listening to the podcast Bible Companion series by author P.H. Thompson. This is a chronological Bible study going chapter by chapter, discovering Christ in all of Scripture. This is Numbers chapter 13. Verses 1 through 16, Spies Sent Out to Explore Canaan. In Deuteronomy 1, 19-25, this event is described in retrospect. Then, as the Lord our God commanded us, we set out from Horeb and went toward the hill country of the Amorites through all that vast and dreadful wilderness that you have seen. And so we reached Kadesh Barnea. Then I said to you, You have reached the hill country of the Amorites, which the Lord our God is giving us. See, the Lord your God has given you the land. Go up and take possession of it, as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, told you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Then all of you came back to me and said, Let us send men ahead ahead to spy out the land for us and bring back a report about the route we are to take and the towns we will come to. The idea seemed good to me, so I selected twelve of you, one man from each tribe. They left and went up to the hill country and came to the valley of Eshkol and explored it. Taking with them some of the fruit of the land, they brought it down to us and reported, It is a good land that the Lord our God is giving us. So when challenged by Moses to go in and take the land of Canaan, the Israelites asked for spies to be sent ahead of them to explore the land. So Moses took it to the Lord who approved the plan, and Moses chose a representative from each tribe. These are different leaders from those named previously, because possibly uh, this military mission required younger men. Then the leaders are named. The two notable ones are Caleb, son of Jephunneh, from the tribe of Judah, and Hoshea, son of Nun, from the tribe of Ephraim. They were sent out of the desert of Paran. Then we're told Moses renamed Hosea to Joshua. That doesn't mean it happened here at this time, since he was called Joshua in the earlier record, back in Exodus 17.9, describing him as Moses' aide. It just records it now, recording his given name with his new name. Hosea means desire for salvation, while Joshua means the Lord is salvation. Verses 17 through 20, Instructions for the Spies. From where they are, they are to go north to the south of Canaan and explore on into the hill country. They are told, See what the land is like and whether the people who live there are strong or weak, few or many. What kind of land do they live in? Is it good or bad? What kind of towns do they live in? Are they unwalled or fortified? How is the soil? Is it fertile or poor? Are there trees in it or not? Do your best to bring back some of the fruit of the land. And then in parentheses it says it was the season for the first ripe grapes. So they were to determine the nature of the land and the strengths and weaknesses of the people and report back. This would be information that would be useful for the conquest and division of the land. Such a practice of reconnaissance is standard prior to military campaigns. Verses 21 through 25, Mission Accomplished. So they went up and explored the land from south to north, up through the Negev desert as far as Hebron. This was where Ahiman, Sheshai, and Talmai, the descendants of Anak, lived. These people were noted for their height. Then we are given a historical fact. 
Hebron had been built seven years before Zoan in Egypt. Hebron was fortified in 1730. We first heard of it when Abram built an altar to the Lord there. Abram and Isaac were buried there, and Hebron would later be the inheritance of Caleb, and then the first capital city King David reigned over in Judah. When they reached the valley of Eshcol, they cut off a branch bearing a single cluster of grapes. Two of them carried it on a pole between them, along with some pomegranates and figs. That place was called the Valley of Eshcol because of the cluster of grapes the Israelites cut off there. Eshcol means cluster. They brought back some fruit as evidence, as Moses had requested. That a single cluster of grapes was so large that it had to be carried on a pole between two people testifies to the bounty in the Promised Land. Verses 25-33 through 33, Report on the Exploration The twelve spies completed their mission in forty days. They reported to Moses, Aaron, and the whole Israelite community. They showed them the fruit of the land as evidence. Then they reported, We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. So far, so good. This description of flowing with milk and honey was used by God when he told Moses he would bring the Israelites out of Egypt and into Canaan. It represented a fertile land with bounteous provision. But the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites live in the Negev, the Hittites, Jebusites, and Amorites live in the hill country, and the Canaanites live near the sea and along the Jordan. The first part of the report was negative, describing large, fortified cities inhabited by powerful giants. The final part of the report was neutral, just reporting who lived in which region. But the message was that although the land was good, the people were too strong to be conquered. Caleb could see that the people were agitated by the news, so he silenced the crowd and said, We should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. He silenced the crowd because the report caused a vocal reaction from the people. He wasn't focused on conquering the land, but possessing it as promised. He saw the end result, not the process. Instead of being encouraged to have faith in God, the other spies said, We can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. They said, The land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. We saw the Nephilim there. The descendants of Anak came from the Nephilim. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. The term Nephilim was first used in Genesis 6-4 to describe heroes who were offspring of believers and unbelievers. To hear more on them, as well as alternative theories as to where they came from, refer to the podcast or notes from Genesis chapter 6. So it was a bad report because it exaggerated the dangers and instilled fear in the people, instead of courage and faith. It demonstrated distrust of God. They had forgotten all that God had done for them so far and what he promised to do in the future. Matthew Henry says, Unbelief overlooks the promises and power of God, magnifies every danger and difficulty, 
and fills the heart with discouragement. They were on the border of all they were looking forward to, but unbelief would keep them from attaining it. Do we admire Christ from afar and see all the benefits of faith, an eternity in heaven, no hell, the promise of the Holy Spirit to help us in this life, the fellowship of believers, and yet we don't take the step of faith? Let's not be like those spies who doubted God and influenced others to do the same, but be like Caleb, who trusted that God was able to help them overcome their enemies, even if they were giants fighting grasshoppers. Scarlet Threads So what scarlet threads or hints of Jesus Christ or application to the Gospel do we find in this chapter? The spies were sent to investigate what had been promised to them. We should meditate on our future hope. The spies brought back evidence of the goodness in the land. It was a foretaste of what they could expect when they arrived in Canaan. Because we possess the Holy Spirit, He is the down payment of all that we will experience when we reach the heavenly Canaan. The spies saw only the obstacles and felt they were insurmountable. Grasshoppers versus giants. They were walking by sight and not by faith. We are to walk by faith and not by sight. The spies who gave a bad report discouraged many people who trusted the word of men over the word of God. They kept them from entering the promised land. Jesus said the scribes didn't go in themselves and yet hindered others from entering. The leaders should have set an example of faith, but they did not. Leaders are to set good examples for us to emulate. Believers are usually in the minority. The voices of doubt and disbelief try to cry out over the shouts of faith. They saw themselves as grasshoppers facing giants and forgot that an omnipotent God was on their side. Paul says if God is for us, who can be against us? It's even more accurate to say, since God is for us, who can be against us? Because his support is not in doubt. The writer to the Hebrews says, Because God has said, Never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, The Lord is my helper, I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? I know someone who likes to say, God and me are a majority. You've been listening to the Bible Companion series by author P.H. Thompson. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and comment. Continue listening for Numbers chapter 14. May God bless the study of his word.